without periods, there would be no people that our amazing bodies are able to do this. And this is what it's doing and break the stigma together. And we had this beautiful conversation. And then the first 10 girls in their red uniforms, the cheers of the girls echoing off the roof as they received their washable kits that they could count on. They said, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimetopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey sister, before we dive into this episode, I felt like I needed to give a little preface. It was such a powerful interview opportunity that I had with an amazing woman who really spearheads, you know, menstrual health education and support around the world. And I wanted to share this and interview so that we can become more aware of this lack of education, not just right here in, you know, wherever country you're listening to this, but also everywhere and the impact it has everywhere. I have to apologize. I had some internet connectivity issues, so there are a few little broken spaces, but I wasn't able to bring that back and I didn't want you to miss what this interview provides, both in education and awareness and normalization of a conversation around menstrual health that really applies to us now in perimenopause. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm sorry for the spaces in there, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Sister. When it comes to midlife, there are two things that I know. (laughs) One, there is a lack of education on this hormonal shift and on hormones and menstrual health today, and particularly during such a full time in our life, which is really why you're here listening to this podcast and why you should feel empowered about your own action to learn more. Connecting with other women around this information is an amazing step in the right direction. When we know better, we can do better, right? And number two, the hormonal shifts of this stage aren't just physical. The impacts of our brain brings forth past traumas and experiences that we've been able to stuff under a rug for a long time. And the resurfacing of this stuff can be really disruptive and uncomfortable and of course, and surprising. And of course, like that old childhood song, The Lion Hunt, if you know it, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go around it, you have to go through it. And it's easier to go through when you have the information and when you do it with other people. 
So this is why I'm so honored to have a very inspiring woman here who I also get to call my friend now, (laughs) whose story and actions in life absolutely honor these two things, using her powerful story to drive a passion for menstrual health and bringing people together in such a beautiful way, I want to introduce you to Celeste, who is an author, speaker, and thought leader, and helps people recognize their strengths and be the change they want to be in the world. She's the founder of Days for Girls, a global award-winning organization championing women's health and menstrual equity. Days for Girls believes in a world where shattering stigma, shame, and taboos, and turning periods into pathways of healing, new growth, and opportunity. Celeste is a sought-after speaker. She's been featured in Oprah's O Magazine, Forbes, and Stanford Social Innovation Review. She was awarded the AARP Purpose Prize, Conscious Company Global Impact Entrepreneur Top 10 Women, 2019 Global Washington Global Hero, and Women's Economic Forum's Woman of the Decade. Her new book, The Power of Days, which I am so excited for you all to read, A Story of Resilience, Dignity, and the Fight for Women's Equity, comes out this October in just 16 days. So without further ado, I give you Celeste. This is going to be a wonderful conversation. Welcome, welcome, Celeste. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm so, so happy you are here and I love everything that you do. You know, you obviously have a powerful story that we get to hear about in the book. Can you tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be passionate about women's health and menstrual equity? You know, those moments when you don't see them coming at all, but they're about to change your whole life. (laughs) That happened to me. And I thought, you know, when you're little, all the things you think you're going to be in, none of them were a global expert on menstruation and, and, and sex. That, that wasn't it. And yet it's been so powerful. I was really, really passionate from childhood about helping people not identify with poverty, but rather have solutions that they hold. Long story, we can talk about that if you want, but that was a piece that I really wanted to find puzzle pieces for. I just didn't recognize one of them would be within menstrual equity. So here's what happened. I was helping a friend's foundation in Kenya, and we were doing sustainable solutions they could count on month after month and things like instead of just water and a pump for a well, a solar pump, and then a plan for them to manage it so that it would keep running and be sustainable. And then I was invited to an orphanage near the slums of Kibera. And I was afraid to go because, um, you know, my heart might break, but I believe in saying yes. So we got there and they kidnapped my heart. I was instantly smitten with them. and, And I started bringing sustainable solutions to them too. Fast forward 2008, there's post-election violence from an election that's so close, just mayhem broke out. Half a million people were displaced. And this orphanage swelled to 1,400 kids. And we did everything we could to support them, but there was not enough. So imagine I get a call one night that they are out of food and they have been for two days. Now, I happen to have what I now call, didn't at the time, but now called the gift of being someone that went without food for days at a time as a child. And I know how much that hurts, how much you can't even can think or even sleep well. And so I wanted so badly to help. And I was just hit my knees. Please tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Nothing came to me, not even a bad idea. I went to bed still pleading, still, what can I do? Because we've used all our resources 
to help them already. We had nothing left. And Don, my husband, and I were coming back in three and a half weeks. So imagine waking up at 2.30 in the morning with it going through your head. Have you asked what the girls are doing for feminine hygiene? <laughs> Never thought to ask. Now we call it menstrual care products. But all I did was run to the... I got an immediate answer. The smartphones weren't everywhere. And all he said was nothing. They wait in their rooms. I try to figure out how you wait on your, your room when there's two or three in a bunk bed and inside the possible in your room. And it turned out they were sitting on pieces of cardboard for the classroom, no access to caring for themselves. And that was a moment I knew we had to do something. We were able to fund for food and other things they pads. However, because of my background, I knew if you choose between food and pads, food wins. So how you give them something that could last month after month? Base for girls pad. It was a really bad design. And I can say that because I designed it, but we knew to listen. And the first thing I got to listen to as we arrived and shared that without periods, there would be no people that our amazing bodies are able to do this. And this is what it's doing and break the stigma together. And we had this beautiful conversation. And then the first 10 girls in their red uniforms, the cheers of the girls echoing off the roof as they received their washable kits that they could count on. They said, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. I was hoping that didn't mean what I feared it meant. And it turned out they were being sexually exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that was the moment Days for Girls was born. I, I feel speechless even just hearing you tell that story. You know, I know it's in the book and, uh, you know, oh, I don't even know what to say. Celeste, that must have been such a moving, shocking moment for you to think that they, one, don't even have any education or that they're having to stay in their rooms and sit on cardboard is hard enough. But to hear this other piece is, is really shocking. Mm -hmm. And we hear it all over the world. It, you're more vulnerable to being exploited. You're, and I didn't know that yet, of course. I, how do you know there's anywhere but this orphanage? But when I took, went home and told people, they go, that can't be anywhere else. And so I'd invite them ask others. And so in comes the request from all over the world. We have that here. We have that here. And we kept stepping up and answering and inviting others to join in, to be part of the solution. And when you hear something really, really have, in my opinion, three choices. You, unfortunately, some people become uh, so angry, they have to look away. Some people disavow it. And, but the other choice is lean in. And thankfully, thousands and thousands of people have decided that something we don't even want to talk about is something they want to create a solution for. And today, Days for Girls has reached more than, ready, 3 million women and girls and people with periods in 145 countries on six continents. 3 million. That's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. And so how long has it been that Days for, Days for Girls has been around for? Our 15th birthday is November 1st, so 15 years. Happy birthday coming up. 
Thank you. Must be a really rewarding thing for you to experience. And this has obviously become one of your big, biggest passion projects. Absolutely. It, I know people sometimes say, aren't you so proud? And it's funny because I don't feel pride. I feel a sense of gratitude, a sense of awe, and a sense of absolute assurance that it's kind of the New York, New York of issues. If you can make it here, if you can do a global movement about periods, you can do it about anything. And and so it's huge hope of the power of what happens when we come together instead of looking at what divides us, look at what we hope to create in the world. It is tremendous proof that we can do anything if we decide to do it together. Yeah, you're right. That's such a powerful thing, you know, the because like you said, when we have these three choices, a lot of the times we just don't even have the education in the first place. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, how has obviously that's, you know, much more challenging, but we even experienced some of this stuff, you know, here, um, you know, in North America. Have you, mm-hmm. you know, recognized the lack of education or are you, has this made you even more aware of the lack of education here around around menstrual health and and women's equity? Absolutely. We had a call once from communities in school in New York, like 2012, I'd say. And they said they had 3,200 girls who were going without products and waiting at home in New Orleans. But it's not just there. It's all over. It's anywhere that a family or individual have to choose between food and pads fuel for your gas tank to get to the next job interview or pads, right? And and importantly, there are states that are mandated to teach about HIV and AIDS prevention, but have it legally said that you can't teach about sexual reproductive health in the classroom and that this includes menstruation. Are you kidding me? Like we need to change that still. And the truth is that it's so important It's so important to know how your body works. And and I think that the stigma around menstruation really is kind of a caveat that bounces off the fear to talk about sexual health, which is, it's our body. I like to talk about, you know, we have this amazing arm, amazing legs, amazing ears, and a vagina, you know, (laughs) or a penis. They're all important parts of a healthy, beautiful, functioning body. All of them, all of them. And and yet we're we're so afraid. And and the consequences are bigger than some of us can imagine. Not only do we have diseases that are perpetuated in pregnancies that that someone could have prevented or protected themselves in not being attacked if someone just talked to them. There are so many reasons we need to talk about this. And menstrual inequity is in our what do homeless women do? What do foster children do? What do do you go to someone you don't even know and ask for a pad and you're already vulnerable? We need to normalize talking about periods. It is phenomenal. The other side of that is the other thing that you talk about that we don't want to talk about perimenopause and menopause. What is that? And I feel like we're get on both sides. We're like, don't talk about it. And yet it's crucial and integral to health of all cycles of our of our being and menstruation connects all of us none of us got here without it not even a tissue baby 
Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about this. Yeah, you know, and I think they're all tied together very closely, right? Like menstruation, you know, through puberty, um, as well as perimenopause and menopause. It's like, I think the lack of knowledge in one area feeds it all the way along. The taboo nature of the conversation feeds it all. It's, it's part of the problem there. Um, so I love that you, you know, bring that up and tie that together. Is this what you mean when you talk about being period proud? Yes, because truthfully, it is about celebrating our amazing bodies, right? And it is about, instead of going, we don't want to talk about that, don't bring up products, don't, instead, imagine the world where we go, actually, yeah, it's amazing. My body does this when I'm menstruating and pay attention. And it's kind of like, forgive me, this is my personal feeling. You know, when you're pregnant and it's so easy to feel like, I got to get this over with. It's so awful. I just want to be not pregnant anymore. Right. Yeah. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I have a tiny person in me and, and I'm feeling it. And wow, actually, let me just breathe and feel this moment. We can do the same with, with periods. Like, you know what? Actually, my amazing body is talking to me about I need more water. I need more movement. I need more. I and and my amazing body is doing way more than just a cycle right now. I've got estrogen flowing through my body. I've got all of these in this cycle, all these changes of the way I'm interacting with the things around me. It's actually really powerful. And there are cultures that think it's so powerful. That's why they want women to have chance to focus. They need them focused on the amazing process their body is doing. Just what if we celebrated all the pieces of menstruation for women? Because in doing that, we're also celebrating the importance of women. Because I believe in the process of dumping menstruation and all the parts of the cycle before and after, that it is we have put women on the sidelines. We have biologically made us untouchable. In Nepal and India and Pakistan, there are actual, you cannot be with your family. You wait in a shed. You are untouchable. But are we not doing the same when we refuse to talk about it or we hold the shame? So I feel like recognizing and looking, am I afraid to talk about this, is a really important part of breaking those shackles because they are there everywhere. Absolutely. It can be the generation that says, oh, wow, we, it's the equivalent of foot binding. China used to have that. They don't anymore. We can be the generation that dropped it and said, we don't shame or hold any shame about any cycle of the menstrual health throughout your whole life. Pubescence, and perimenopause and menopause, as well as the cycle, we can do that. And that will give back a lot of strength to everyone. Absolutely. The lack of talking about it keeps it, well, the fact that we don't normalize it, talking about it normalizes. And as you were saying, like normalizing something that is so fundamentally normal in all animals and humans Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. every month, you know, that is required for the continuation of life on this earth. It should be revered. It should be discussed. And, and when we don't talk about it, then people stay stuck with these stigmas and these incorrect ideas that we have. And we only ever then focus on the hard parts because that's all we have left is, is the shame that kind of comes with having to be quiet about it all or the lack of knowledge. So true. So true. And we could change that. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are hard to change in this world, 
But menstrual equity, inequity, and menstrual shame are something we can change in our lifetime right now. I think of it as the equivalent of the suffragette movement. We weren't able to help women have rights for voting. We weren't there. We're benefiting from it. We can be the generation that says no more stigma and shame. Um, and let's talk about that just for a second, because, you know, we're talking a lot about menstruation. I want to talk about perimenopause, you know, further, because obviously, as we were saying, those are very tied and the shame and the, and the taboo topic. But mm-hmm. what would you suggest? I know you have daughters, don't you? I do. What I have two you, daughters. What would you suggest to, you know, women listening to this about like a step they could do take in having a more open conversation around menstruation? Because like it takes generations to change. So if we're if we're really kickstarting this movement or we're a part of the kickstart of this movement that maybe even started before us, communicating yes. that to the next one is really, really important. Do you have any, you know, any thoughts on how to begin to have a more open conversation in our lives with our daughters and our sons? And our sons, right? It's so fun to hear of the ones that that I just heard just a week ago about a young man that has helped volunteer with Days for Girls, making Days for Girls kits since he was tiny, tiny, folding things and counting things. And and so he was with a young girl that had just started her period and and he knew all about periods. So he saw it and took off his sweatshirt and ran up to her and offered it to her and said, oh, I just saw and I just wanted you to have something for it. Do you any, need anything else for me? And I was, <laughs> wow, because he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid, right? And so talking about it normalizes it. And with our daughters, I say, I have a granddaughter that anytime now she's going to start her period. I'm already planning like the cookies for the party and the um, welcome to the monthly club and, and to just answer her questions and have a complete party for her celebrate it. We should be all about this incredible season of our maturity as humans. I mean, it's a big deal. So I would say, and I have to say that even me, and I've talked about this so much, and I understand it so well, that when I gave same granddaughter a little first period kit, she was taking it in to open it with her brother there and things, and she's a little shy. So I was afraid. I said, do you want to open it in there or open it on your own? I said that to her. I said that. So I think being able to go, whoa, 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 I, you open it in there. Yeah, you do that is, is so important to check ourselves because we have been shown a pattern of about periods our whole life. So giving ourselves grace and reminding us, Hey, I'm part of the movement that changes. It, I think it's, it's a very deliberate decision. It is. It is. And I think what you're giving us here as well is a reminder around this knowledge, around the whole aspect of the cycle of this lens of gratitude that I know that you talk about, Yeah, um, which is something, you know, I feel immediately in your presence is this, um, is this ever energy of gratitude that you bring on? How has that, how has that come to you in life? How has that served you? And how do you feel like that serves us as women going through these major changes in our lives? Oh, it's huge. My license plates is gratitude, G-R-A-T-A-2-D. And um, because I feel like it's everything about how we experience things, what we appreciate, appreciates. Focused on the pain, on the limitations and not on the gratitude for a healthy body that's doing all the things. And 
every aspect of our life. Leaders do better if they stop to take note of the things they've accomplished instead of just rushing on, right? Uh, families appreciating each other helps them lean in with closer bonds. Um, if you're, and even with men, perimenopause, I didn't get very many hot flashes. I wonder if these two things, I got, trust me, my fair share of symptoms, but but I didn't get that. And I wonder if part of it was I was totally welcoming them. My friends and I called them power surges. And I totally went and kind of pictured like mutant Wonder Woman, you know, like picture that I'm getting a power surge and um, just bring it on and watch this. Watch how far out and red and <laughs> temperature rising look out and I really really think that may have been where our bodies are all different but part of why I had so little of that because I completely welcomed that my body was literally transforming again and that this was just part of it um I think it's important I'm not saying that we have to sugarcoat everything and not see or feel the pain because the truth is what is hard on us is real, is there. And so just as important as gratitude is to have curiosity about what we're feeling and what we're experiencing and look at, look at it and own it and, and get curious about, hmm, I wonder how this will play out for me. So you can shift to power surge. You can <laughs> shift to Rum. I'm having like the triple flow of all time. It's, I'm going through products so fast. I wonder how what I can find to help me manage this, which in my case was menstrual cups. Mm. And all of these things, leaning in, being curious, and gratitude are powerful shift makers. Man, I love the way you said that. It's as you said, what I think you said there, what I heard was so beautiful. It's like, obviously these things are real, what we're feeling, you know, in menstruation, but then into perimenopause, these massive hormonal shifts, the discomforts and things that we, we are feeling are real. And mm -hmm. if we lean in and get curious, if we take a look at the whole picture and recognize some of what is happening for us, and of course, do that underlying healing, then it can be something that is more empowering than, than debilitating, which is, I think, the story we've been told. Yes, exactly. So even aging, you know, is it? Does it have to be? Isn't it just as real a part of the human condition? I mean, do we have to get weaker or can we get stronger? Um, and and all of the opportunity you have as women, as individuals to actually be and purposely, intentionally creating the future we want. Maybe a little more time to do that, maybe not. But you're able to purposefully decide each season. I was, I, I'm the mother of six children and foster children and foreign exchange students. And, and I, uh, there for a season, didn't think I would get to do uh, the things I do today to be a global CEO. And then now on the other side, an author and being, but there are seasons. And just as truly as you can do many things in your life, our hormonal transitions are just, Part of that seasons get, that give you different kinds of opportunities. I loved how you started about you can't really bury things. You think you can, but did you know trauma 
and experiences literally in our DNA. I, I don't want to be triggering, so I won't, but if I may, may I lean into that just a little? So I was uh, 47 when Days for Girls started. So there you go. I was, and I was, um, but about 33, I had started experiencing this just this unrest, this, this feeling of um, anxiety that I hadn't before. Fast forward, I experienced recalling something that happened to me when I was seven. That experience that I just recounted and it came so alive. I could see the dust motes, you know, in the sun when it happened. I I could see it was like it was happening in that moment. When I rose from that recollection, went in to clean up because I've been crying. I had bruising across my arm, my chest, and my upper lip was swollen like I was a cat. As if the trauma had just happened and I did not hit myself. So I was like, how is this showing on my body? And of course, studied that our body remembers. And this is true that our actual being can hold it. We we don't forget that it happened. And we have this thing that we should forget about it. Something's in the past. We should just let it go because it's just behind us. But the truth is your body, your your mind, and your being will bring it back up for you to deal with it amazingly can also tuck it away until you are ready. I mean, that's amazing. And I agree with you. When you hit perimenopause, it's like, hello, and this, and this. And the amazing thing is that we don't have to be defined by our trauma. We are not our circumstances. We are so much more than that. And every experience, even the really horrible thing, ones, can one, hold back some of your energy if we don't deal with it. And two, hold immense gifts for you, not only of getting your energy back, but having wisdom and foundations of strength that that you have within you when you let go of this trauma that literally is sapping your energy. I I love hearing that and fully agree. So when you talk about kind of minding the gap or your technique around managing the trauma, is this what you mean? Or maybe you could talk a little bit yes, more. Yes. Okay. You ready? You want to yeah. do it together? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So there's a little background. Here's what I'm going to share quickly. When you, do you know when you have a nightmare and you wake up and that feeling still with you yeah. and you want to run, turn all the lights on, think of happy thoughts, <laughs> happy music <laughs> to make it go away. But then later in the day, it's back. You're feeling it, that feeling, and then you track back, where's that? Oh, yeah, the nightmare. Oh, right? I don't know if you've experienced that. Totally. Absolutely. Right? But it's still with you. You just went, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing to see here. But it's <laughs> still with you. And so the good news is that um, you can reshape it. So here's an example. I used to have a nightmare. And this nightmare was like zombies and vampires. And I try to run, but no matter how hard I ran, it, I couldn't get away from them, right? It was like I was running in place and I wake up, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I came to the point of recognizing, hmm, or I could manage this. So instead of waking up and going, okay, don't think about that. I'm okay. Look, I'm right here in the room. I'm okay. Okay. I took it on. So I kept my eyes closed a few more seconds. I kept that feeling of, ah! panic oh kept that for just a second it's uncomfortable for just a second more 
instead of being the sneaky sideways smackdown throughout the day, just a few more seconds, deliberately holding that feeling. And then I took control. So I turned around in the, you know, my eyes closed, feeling the feeling. Okay, everybody, good work. Cut. Okay, vampires, I think that was a little too much blood. It would it'd be more realistic, a little less. Back that off. Zombies, come in just a heartbeat sooner. I'd like you to show up in the screen before the vampires ready. Okay, reset positions, please. Action. That's amazing. I didn't know where you were going with that. That was really yeah. yeah no, you're like, where's she going? It right? It. Yeah, it really dissipates that fear, that feeling you're like, and gives you that sense of control over your own mindset and your own psyche. Absolutely. And I didn't have the dream ever again, and I didn't have to live through the day feeling it. Okay. So this, what does this have to do with mind the gap? You know those moments where you think back and something will happen, a smell, something, uh, someone says something, a day on the calendar, and it comes back and you just feel it. You feel guilty, angry, mad, um, sad, traumatized, uh, regret, whatever those are. And you go, what if instead you literally, I like to use my hands like Tai Chi, like open it up, open up that moment. For just a minute, hold that feeling instead of chasing away. Hold that feeling for just a minute. Do you want to think of one while we're doing this? So open it up. You can almost feel that sticky Tai Chi, right? That pull it open like there goes that energy. Okay, now hold it open. Deep breath. Picture that moment. So what I'm going to picture is a moment that I did that was I was in middle school. And in middle school, there was, so I'll bring this to you real quick. There was, you know, you can be time of your life coming out of the bathroom. I had my tights, my skirt tucked into my tights, walking down the hall, they're going snickering at, and I, I don't know what. And finally, someone says, your skirt's tucked. And then I look around, I'm mortified, run back into the bathroom. Oh, I didn't even want to come back out. This horrible thing, right? Okay, so opening back up, instead I could go, deep breath. Okay, I'm going to look for something curious about all of us here. I can see the lockers. I can see the doors. You know how those memories are really sticky. You can see a lot of stuff. I see the people laughing over there and the girl over here, and now I can bring gratitude. Oh, you know what? I never said thank you to her. Like, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful, girl, that you did that, that you shared with me, um, that it was tucked in or I would have been like all day now curious about what I would do with the wisdom of now it's that moment I'm bringing my maturity and wisdom now and the maturity of me would say oh man can you I just untuck it and then so picture untucking it and go I can't believe that that is so funny thank you for telling me and can you believe that that's so funny hey I really appreciate you telling me I'm going to see you guys later bye and then literally close the moment reshape the moment you do you feel that you get your energy back you get to bring the wisdom bring it now and you recognize that hey it wouldn't they would have been in awe of my um confidence not snickering they would have gone blind i wish i had that right we can reshape the experience. Now, let's say it's really, really trauma traumatic. The seven-year-old me, I wouldn't go back in and deny it. I wouldn't go in and say, all right, girl, none of this happened because it did happen. Mm -hmm. And the trauma is there. So I'm not saying deny it. 
In fact, I'm saying feel it. If you can, you might want a professional if it's something you haven't faced earlier. You can go in and say, in this case, what I could say, because it has to be genuine and authentic. You and your spirit and your being know what happened. And some of it you may not even confronting you. So, but you know, in your whole being, literally in your cells, you know. So if you can look at it and go, in that case, just, ah, oh, I love you so much. I, I'm so proud of you for surviving that. You are amazing. You are not alone. I am here in this time, much down the line. I am here and I love you and I'm proud of you. And I want you to know that the strength and passion you take from around the world in the service of other girls around the world, you hang on, know that you're loved, know that you are not alone and know that this will be good, even though it's horrible and no one is justified in what's happening right now. There is no excuse. But you are not alone and you will heal and you are loved. And I am proud of you for surviving. Now you can see I still have tears when I go there, but it's more about gratitude. It's more about the love I feel now instead of the shame, right? You can get your energy back. You can. And so revisit as many as you want. It doesn't have you. Don't have to say that was a small thing. I was embarrassed because the cake fell. So what? The point isn't how big or small it is. The point is that you deserve to take on all the little pieces that flutter inside of you un at unrest. You get to land them and you get the energy back and you deserve it. That was really beautiful, Celeste. You know, I think we underestimate, like you were saying, this energy suck that comes from not processing things that are still bothering us from inside. And because we know that this stage in our, we know we have this lack of education, which you're sharing with us today, how to become more educated in. So we're working on that piece. And then we, you know, we run into this pocket where, you know, we just don't seem to have the energy. So as we learn and we know we're educated in this area, recognizing what's coming up and not ignoring it, like you're saying, not pretending it or shushing it away or fanning it away, but actually going in like the lion hunt and processing. Yes. And Celeste has now given us like a beautiful step-by-step -step way to lean in. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I could talk to you, of course, forever, Celeste, but I feel like what you've given us today, what I'm so grateful for, and I want to just bring it together for the women who are listening, because we talked about a lot of things and you know, one, I think, again, we know that whether it's like perimenopause and hormonal health or, or menstrual health here in, you know, in North America or wherever you are or around the world, we are undereducated under there. Mm -hmm. And before we can even heal our story, we need to know the whole story. Before we can put a gratitude lens on it, we need to know the whole story. So one step, I think, in really doing that is to make sure you go out and you get Celeste's book when it launches on October 4th. Is that right? Third. October 3rd. October 3rd. Yeah. Go out and look for The Power of Days, A Story of Resilience, Dignity, and the Fight for Women's Equity, October 3rd, because knowing more is how we can best support. I know often women are like, well, they hear this beautiful, this beautiful, heart-wrenching story that you have shared. And we want to help. And sometimes I think we think we can't. This is how you can help. You can Absolutely. buy the book. 
you can share the book, you can learn more about it and you can buy the book for your friend, but you can talk more about this openly and have grace for yourself. And that trickles down into our perimenopause, into our process of our own healing because knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. Does that feel right? Yes, absolutely. And you're so spot on. I'm so excited for the dialogues that will happen as a result of this book conversations of healing and celebration and really all of the hard stories and the lovely stories all end with one thing, hope. We really can have a stronger future together. We really can. And this, you know, I want to say thank you. Like your book is an opener of conversation for this. It's normalize harder and make us have harder conversations uh, about this, which is, yeah, it's going to spread all through our lives as women and with our daughters and our sons and our grandchildren as we go. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I will put, of course, everything in for how people can get the book, you know, in the show notes, but how can best people best come and learn more about you right now? The website CelesteMergens.com has links for the books, has links for Days for Girls, and has ways that you can interact with me. And it would be a lovely thing to hear how they like the book, how they're doing with Days for Girls, and just the conversations they're having. I am so excited about the season of Head. For me, it is about conversations. For me, it's about recognizing our strengths. And I am really looking forward to hearing from them. Thank you. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation today, Celeste, for all your skill and for all the work that you do. I know we're all better for it. So I appreciate you. Thank you. It's been delightful. All right, sisters, go out, learn more from Celeste Morgans and and grab this book and start having those hard conversations and be more in your life and not just less on a scale. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.